And I learned what to do with those feelings. I learned how to sit with them and how to not have to numb them out or try to cover them up or escape them. And so then I could see myself and I could see myself more clearly who I was and where I was and what I was doing to myself and to others around me. Food Addiction is a podcast which explores the disease of food addiction and presents the solution. We interview professionals and counselors who specialize in the disease of food addiction, and we interview individuals who have successfully recovered from food addiction and discuss how they did it. Esther Helga goodmans Dotier was motivated to change careers after she recovered from food addiction by opening a food addiction treatment center and the INFACT School, the world's first and only sugar and food addiction counseling training, which offers a recognized certification. Check out the website for more information on obtaining this certification, as well as proven recovery programs at infactschool.com. Listen to these episodes as we discuss the problem and the solution around food addiction. I'm Susan Branscombe. I am a recovered food addict and the host of this podcast, which is sponsored and owned by the Infact School. Today, our guest is Lisa Kay. She is a recovered food addict. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Susan. Yeah, fantastic. I'm looking forward to hosting you and getting into your your story. I've I've read your blog entries and some of your writings, and I've seen your <laughs> before and after photos. And what an incredible transformation and journey! And I'm I can tell you you see it the same way. Uh, recovery from food addiction. Yeah, it's a miracle, really, to see mm-hmm. the difference and what it was yeah. like before and what it is like now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you to share your story, sort of what it was like with food and food addiction, um, and then what your life was like during that time when you were um, in the food, as we say, uh, and talk about food addiction recovery. And then we'll talk about what your life is like now. So I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm also going to um, mention some quotes. I'll read some quotes from your writing, which are really powerful, and let you address them and talk about them. How's that? Sounds great. Okay, good. Well, let's, uh, let's start uh, with your history, um, kind of your childhood. I've seen the photos before you got in into recovery, as I said, in the after photos. And uh, people probably say to you what they say to me, that can't possibly be you. It doesn't look like the same person, right? You probably get that. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, the dates I have, and I'll, I'll uh, turn it over to you, are you January 1st, uh, 2021 was a pivotal date. It was New Year's Day. And uh, the next day, you know, you had some, you made some decisions. And uh, two and a half years uh, uh, later, uh, you at that time, January 1st, 2021, you weighed 335 pounds. You have to date uh, released 150 pounds and you did it through recovery. So talk about your, your history, your weight, uh, your food use. Let's get started there. Yeah, sure. So I think I was a food addict from day one. Uh, My mom would tell me stories about how she would put rice cereal in my formula to keep me full. Otherwise, I would cry. Um, And so there started the the trifecta, right? Sugar, fat, and starch. Yes. Um, And it didn't end there. It just kept going. Um, And so through all my childhood, I've been overweight. Um, and uh, I have memories of sitting in front of the uh, refrigerator eating what was supposed to be 
um, healthy uh, apricot sorbet, right? It was half half apricot uh, puree from the from the tree out back and half sugar. Um, and I would sit on the on the floor in the in the kitchen taking out sheets of it out of the out of the um, refrigerator freezer and just eating constantly as a child. Um, as a child, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you started early. Um, when when did you when did you um, you identify as a food addict, right? Oh yes, recovered. A food addict. I'm also a volume addict. A yes. Volume. For me. I loved the feeling of feeling full. Yes. And stuffed, not just yeah. healthy full. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that a little later because I share that with you. Um, you uh, uh, you are a food addict uh, in recovery. Recovered. Sometimes we say in the spirit of. Uh, 12-step uh, literature. Um, when did you, you, so you started early, did you realize then or as you realize now that you looked back, you weren't eating like other kids or other at that time? Yeah, I probably, as a teenager, I started realizing I wasn't eating like other kids. I would start hiding what I was eating. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, in front of people, eat an, a healthy amount, and then I would go home and binge yeah. on anything and everything. You know, um, we'd go out to eat, and I'd often order extra meals to take home and say it was for my family. Well, it was yeah. not for my family. It was right. for me. Um, so it was, yeah, teenage years where I started realizing, okay, I'm not a not eating in a a normal mm-hmm. way with as a teenage girl. Yeah. I think that was a critical time for me too. At the age of 14, you know, I was going, gone through puberty. My body was starting to hold on to fat, wasn't as active, you know, and, um, and there were boys and, and, and there were girlfriends and everything was changing. And I just, you know, I was carrying extra weight and I was embarrassed about it. And, um, you know, those are, those are traumatic times, you know? Um, so you talk about hiding, uh, a lot of us secretly eat. Um, it's kind of like our friend, um, and to feel better and to get away from emotions. We'll talk about that. Uh, but let's talk about the volume eating. I was a volume eater and I felt, I used to feel really scared if my, if I felt hungry or my stomach wasn't full and I would feel safe if it was full. It, do you share that? Yes, a- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it it was uh, it was comforting. It was mm-hmm. soothing for me to feel full all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the slightest bit of not feeling full, I don't even you know, I wouldn't say hungry because I don't know that I've ever felt hungry until you know. I don't know that I feel hungry now even. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that sensation looks like, right? Because yeah. I'd never allow myself to be hungry. It was right. always I had to fill myself with something. Um, didn't matter what it was as long as it was something. Mm-hmm. As you look back now, um, you know, we'll talk about what your childhood was like. Uh, we talk about sort of an emptiness um, in in feeling that emptiness or loneliness. And there are many emotions uh, that we eat around um, just to fill something that, that you can't really identify. They call them often hungry ghosts. These are hungry ghosts. You know, we, what is that that's, that's causing us to go to the food and to feel some need to fill our stomachs? You relate to that? Yeah, I was always alone. I was a loner. You know, I would sit in the playground and read a book by myself. Um, and, uh, you know, I had teachers who, one teacher at one point took my book away and told me to go play. 
Well, I couldn't oh. play. They were all the kids were on the playground, you know, on the monkey bars and things like that. I, I couldn't do any of that. I was too big. Right. So I just sat in the corner by myself without my book. Um, so felt really isolated a lot growing up. Had very few friends, if any. Um, was bullied by um, kids in school all the way through high school. Um, kids can be cruel so, at that age, and uh, bullying goes on now. But it was it was it would go on back then. And, you know, teachers didn't always intervene. And uh, tell me, do you have a story or do you have some incident uh, where you can say, this is what happened when I was a kid and I was overweight and shamed? Yeah, um, I love to swim. Um, it was the one one piece of exercise sport I could do um, was swimming. Um, and I swam slow, but I loved it. And uh, I was always called Orca by the other kids in the pool and no one would come play with me. We'd play, you know, Marco Polo or something like that. And I wasn't allowed to play. Like people would just stay away. Um, and just, yeah, Orca was how I was referred to. Which is a name of a whale, right? Yeah. Killer whale. Killer whale. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, cruel. I, I experienced some of that in high school. I was carrying maybe 10 or 15 pounds, but I, I got that, you know, and it sounds like you were carrying, you know, more extra weight and, uh, yeah, kids can be cruel. So talk about, um, talk about what your childhood was like growing up. What kind of childhood does, did you have you, uh, in your writing, I noticed you mentioned some trauma. Um, what, um, what might have been unique or traumatic about, about your childhood? Yeah, I think the bullying from the, from other kids was a big piece of that. Um, I think also in my family, um, my father was very angry for most of my life until I became an older teenager. Um, and so would yell, I would be hit, um, frequently and you never knew some days he'd come home and he would be the most caring dad and the most affectionate of my parents. And the other days he would come home and I was, um, the, the subject of his anger. Right. Um, was he an so, alcoholic? No, he was not. Um, but uh, he was a smoker and addicted to uh, cigarettes, um, cigarettes and nicotine. Um, but I don't, yeah, I don't know where, I mean, I know my grandfather was very angry as well. Um, so I know where it came from, but I don't know exactly what was happening in his life at the time. Um, mm -hmm. I know he was trying to provide for a family and that was hard for him to do. So, and my mom, I think was uh, depressed and not treated. Yeah. So her emotional availability was not always present either. So there was times where I felt neglected and alone um, and felt like I had to take care of her in many instances. Um, not emotionally supported as a child, which we, we need to be to have a good, uh, healthy childhood is to be supported emotionally and to, to, you know, for our parents to let us know they love us and, and that they are there to meet our needs, you know, physical and emotional needs. But I had the same kind of childhood. My dad was uh, an alcoholic. He was often angry, uh, would rage. And um, my mother was not emotionally available. So very similar. And what we learn early is that uh, we can feel better with food. I did. Yeah, food was my, my comfort, my, my friend. Yeah, right. it was and it worked. And it worked. And I know what it's like to have a father that comes home and you're not quite sure. You're kind of watching, you know, you're observing, okay, what kind of mood is he in? Is he going to be abusive or, or not? Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It was always touchy. 
um, when he walked in the door. Um, and I would, I would, you know, peer out of my room and get a, get a gauge for what things were like and, you know, often stay in my room by myself. Yeah. You know, what, it, what it's caused with me as I've become an adult is that I have this almost sixth sense about an energy in a room and with people. I don't know if you find that, that, that you grew up with it, you look for it, and then you bring it out into the world and you can, you, you read body language, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can walk into a room and I can tell where the tension is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can look at two people that are talking and not hear what they're saying and, and, and probably guess what, what the conversation's about just by watching. And that's, that's what you learn when you grow up like that. So, yeah, you talk about in your writing significant family stressors. Um, and, and that's, I think that's what you're talking about, the, your, your mother and father and, and the childhood you grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in a, in a large extended family. Um, and even there, I was ostracized by some of my aunts who wanted me to lose weight. You know, they would, as a teenager, I'll buy you a new outfit if you lose weight. Well, that's the last thing I wanted was to go clothes shopping. Forget right. it. You know, Um, and uh, I'd have to wear a lot of um, boys clothes, the husky, husky clothes from the boys section. Yeah, Yeah, because um, my mom couldn't find clothes for me that were feminine looking. Um, She made a lot of my clothes, my dresses that I would Mm -hmm. have to wear for church on Sunday or things like that. And and again, that that was completely stood out. You know, my first communion dress my mom made and did not look like any of the other girls in in the church that day. Um, (laughs) And uh, that was very clear that the uh, the large girl was did not fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that causes us to isolate and feel like an outsider and not make friends. And it sounds like that's, that really characterized your, your life, even as an adult. And I don't know about you, I can still find myself feeling like an outsider, uh, at certain times. Uh, we have 12 step recovery. We have other people that have recovered like us. And so I never really feel like an outsider in those settings. Yeah, for me, I today I don't feel like an outsider anymore. Okay. Um, I have found my my tribe, my people. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I've reconnected with some of my extended family who I just adore and who adore me, um, and so I feel loved and connected there. Um, I've also uh, found friends in recovery yeah. mm-hmm. that really have my back um, yeah. at all times of the day and night. Right. Yeah. It does not matter. Right. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little later. Uh, I'm going to read one of your quotes, which is really, really powerful that that talks about the hopelessness and desperation and powerlessness, I would say. So I'll read this and let you let you talk about it. It was a journal entry. It said, quote, I was recently reading through my past journals and I want to read from my journal January 1st, 2021 the day before my consultation with shift. I can barely look at myself in the mirror. It disgusts me. I see myself as fat and ugly. Food has become everything to me. I binge six plus times a day on fast food, chocolate, pasta, cheese, sauces. I eat food off of other people's plates out of the trash. I see many negative consequences of my eating habits, mainly gaining weight disgust at myself, difficulty with sex, looking and feeling like a pig at a buffet, 
numerous body pains, breathing difficulties. I can't walk more than a few feet and I need to take several breaks walking up one flight of stairs in the house. I can't put on my own shoes and my clothes don't fit. Food makes me loathe myself. Food is killing me. My body and soul are both dying very quickly. Not even my program is working. So is there any hope at all? I don't think so. I'm just going to die. That's what my new year will be, my death. And that was the day before you cons uh, consulted with the shift folks, recovery. We'll talk about that. But talk about where you were January 1st, 2021 and what, you know, what was going on. Yeah, I had tried everything up until that point to lose weight. That was my goal. I just want to lose weight, right? And uh, I, I've tried various pay and weigh programs. I tried various diets that were out there, bizarre things, you know, yes. like uh, there was one, I remember eat right for your type where you did your blood type oh, and yeah. you figured out what yeah. foods you could eat or not eat. I mean, that was a yes. disaster. I think I gained 20 pounds in you know, a month <laughs> on that one. Um, but it just, it was horrible and uh, life was horrible. I was miserable, absolutely miserable and, uh, and, and not really wanting to live anymore. Um, yeah. really feeling like there's nothing I could do here that's going to make a difference. Nothing's yeah. going to help me. Um, I tried, I went to a food treatment program a couple years earlier, about three years earlier, and I did great there for the week and, um, and for a few months afterwards, but there was no aftercare, right? Yeah. It was just go back, go out to a 12 step group. And I did that. I was in 12 steps. And I gained weight about a hundred pounds being in 12, 12 step yeah. program. Yeah. Um, and so I knew I needed something more, but didn't know what that could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you got the click, I would call it, uh, when you talked to shift and you, you heard what, what might be possible. And it sounds like that was your bottom. If I could uh, make that leap, uh, that that was a bottom where you thought you're going to, you're going to die from this because you have no real solution on how to get out of it. And that's, that's where I got, I got to the point where I don't want to live like this. I'm going to die. I'm slowly killing myself because of the 70 pounds, the high blood pressure, the diabetes, couldn't walk without getting out of breath. And so that was a bottom for me. So this sounds like really a bottom. Yeah, it was a bottom. I had had a, I've had been told by doctors before you're killing yourself with food. And I would just yeah. be like, yeah, whatever, you know, okay, sure. You know, I can't stop. So too bad. It wasn't until I had a doctor who told me I was committing suicide. And the yeah. suicide word just really hit me. Yeah. And that was two months before that January 1st day. And I got so angry. I stormed out of the guy's office um, because I wasn't, I was not uh, uh, committing suicide. Right. And, uh, and then that morning I sat there thinking, you know, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm not going to commit suicide, but if God took me tonight, that would be just fine with me. Mm -hmm. That scared me. Yeah. Right? And, uh, and so then the next morning I was on, um, on, uh, Facebook looking at family pictures of, uh, for, from Christmas yeah. and, uh, up pops the shift, uh, recovery by acorn, um, advertisement on my feed, which again, I'm rarely on Facebook and I don't search for food addiction treatment and I don't search for you know, weight <laughs> loss programs or anything else on Facebook and here it pops up and I'm like, huh. So I talked to my husband and I asked him if he'd be with me. Um, we did a consult with Shift and uh, the next day. 
And uh, I really, that for me, that was intervention by God. There was, mm-hmm. I, I could not have found shift if I wanted to try to find them. Right. Um, God just put it in my place. And yeah. I didn't even think I was in the space to look for a food addiction treatment program at that point. Like I just was totally discouraged and um, in despair and right. giving up. Yeah. I mean, it's so demoralizing to be at a body weight you don't want to be. To, to eat and not be able to stop over and over and over again. And I dieted for 43 years and I was really good at losing weight and then I'd gained it, gained it back. Uh, diets don't work long-term for food addicts. We know that. Um, but it is demoralizing, you know, knowing what you look like when you go into a room of people and what people may be talking about you. And it's embarrassing to, to continue to buy bigger sizes of clothing, you know. The whole thing. It's like, you, you can tell me, doctor, that I'm committing suicide, but I'm telling you, I can't stop doing this, right? Right. I couldn't. I couldn't stop. I broke I broke a futon in my in-law's house. I, oh. you know, just sitting down and um, I would go into a room and figure out what chair I could sit in. And oftentimes I would just stand because I couldn't mm-hmm. find a place that I could sit. Um, yeah. It, it was... It was miserable. I could not stop eating. I mean, yeah. multiple times a day, stopping for fast food after having a meal at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. And eating just the quantities of food I would eat. I would eat a pound of pasta by myself. Yeah. Um, and that was a snack. That was afternoon snack. You know, that right. was not a meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we do it a lot of times. Uh, you know, fast food places make it easy for us to eat in secret. You know, we can hide the wrappers later, but. I used to go to McDonald's and Wendy's and, you know, all these places to, to get my fix uh, when I was feeling something. And uh, you talk about the emotions before we get into your recovery here. Um, you say, I was compelled to eat and eat and eat at any chance I had. I was bound to a life of binging to the point of sickness. I was numbing out my emotions with more and more food. I was not free. And then you also say, any emotion that came up was instantly met with food to cope and soothe my heart and body. Food and eating became my affair partner. And I changed a word here, taking priority over all other activities, including work, marriage, family, and relationships. So talk about food and dealing with emotions. Yeah, I I did not like to feel any emotion, happy emotion, sad emotion, pleasant, unpleasant, it did not matter. If there was an emotion in my body, I would eat to numb that emotion. Um, And uh, yeah, and I would eat and quantities, you know, it would take a lot and it got, I would have to eat more and more and more as time went by in order to get that same numb. Same effect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the, um, that's really late stage food addict stuff. And then, um, withdrawal is is another thing um i know when you got into recovery you probably um felt had withdrawal from sugar and the way you were eating right oh yes yeah for i had about three weeks was just um gosh so challenging and i had so i needed just so much support and i got it you got it you know this last time with shift i got the support from shift from other fellows from my family i mean i think Mm -hmm. my my husband and my daughter were at a place where they're like, we'll do anything to help you at this help point. You. And, uh, and they, they had worry to. About like, us. Had, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I had to get rid of every food that was off my food plan out of my house. Like no one could have anything in the house. Otherwise I would, I would find it. You would find it. And we've been um, looking for it too. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, yes. Um, and my family was on board with that. They ate yeah. what I ate for three months before I was able to let them have anything, eat yeah. anything in front of me that I was not eating. Right. Um, but it's healthy eating. I mean, um, for a while, yeah. you know, you were like me, you saw... I think you saw other people in recovery and you probably, I think you said to yourself, you weren't that bad despite the negative consequences. I mean, your, your doctor was urging, your family was worried about you. You know, you you weighed 335 pounds and despite the negative consequences, you know, we aren't able to control our food intake or our weight. So um, did you think that controlling your food intake and your weight was your fault for a while? Oh yeah. 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 All for growing years, up right? and all the way for years. And even into adulthood, it was, I just don't have enough willpower. I'm just not strong enough. Right. I don't, um, there's must be something wrong with me. Why can't I? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a physical addiction. Now we eat out of emotions, emotional eating, and I'm sure it, it shift. You talked about that, but it is a physical difference in us as addicts that we ingest these things and then it sets up this obsession about wanting more. And then latent stage, you start needing more. And then you get bigger and bigger. I mean, it's just, it's vicious. Yeah. It is. It is. So vicious. let's yeah. let's talk. Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. I, I just, I couldn't stop. There was just no way. You know, I absolutely yeah. needed to have that food or I would die. Yeah. And then it got to a point where when I had the food, I was going to die. Yeah. yeah. It's so. insanity. It really mm -hmm. is insane. But fortunately, Absolutely. there is recovery. I'm in recovery, have been for six and a half years. And, um, you know, January 1st, 2021, something happened to make you realize that the next day, January 2nd, when you had the consultation with Shift, something was different. And I think it, it sounds like a bottom and you were, you were desperate. Um, we hosted Amanda Leith, who is the owner of Shift uh, Recovery by Acorn. It's very special to the to uh, recovery. Um, the website is foodaddiction.com, uh, which is a great uh, name that Phil and Mary got a hold of when they owned it. Um, you attended the intensive session uh, with Shift and uh, talk about Talk about shift and the recovery and how it worked for you after after struggling for so many years. Yeah, um, that first consult with Amanda on uh, January second that was my beginning of my abstinence um, was that day after that consult. My husband and I both met with her at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, I remember that very very distinctly. That was the first time I had any sense of hope that something could be different. She identified with me in such a way that I was like, "Wow, if you can do this, yeah, maybe maybe I could do this." Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so that began the journey for me. I, uh, I did, um, I had an accountability partner multiple times a week. I did, in, uh, individual, uh, food, uh, coaching mm -hmm. with shift several times a week until I got to my intensive. Um, and so my intensive was in March. Um, and it was 2021, uh, 2021. Yeah. Mm -hmm. March of 2021 first week. Um, it was during COVID, so it had to be virtual. And so yes. I, uh, I was told to block my calendar for 10, 12 hours a day, which I did. Um, we did everything together on, on zoom, um, including yeah. our morning walks. And it was, it was, it was intense. It was an intensive. Yeah, that's um, why they call it sure. intensive. It is intense. Yeah. Exactly. But it was life changing for me. Absolutely yeah. life changing for me. I went into it abstinent. 
um, and learned so much about the disease um, and about myself and uh, and about when you the say food abstinent. What, what are you? What do you mean? Oh, meaning that I don't eat. Uh, I wasn't eating any foods that I binged on. So foods that I would crave or that I um, couldn't stop eating once I started, mm-hmm. uh, couldn't start from stopping, right? Or stop yeah. from well, whatever that is, right? I couldn't stop eating. Um, yeah. I, and once I ate them, I couldn't stop them. So I didn't eat any of those. And that's abstinence for me. Um, and this was the most strict abstinence I've had um, was with the shift uh, food plan and, um, and program. And at the beginning, I felt like, oh, gosh, this is going to be restrictive. And, you know, within weeks, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is freedom. Yes. Absolute freedom. I don't have to think anymore about what I'm eating. I'm not right. obsessing about it every day, right. um, you know, all day long. Um, you took sugar so, out, I assume. Did you take flour out? I took all sugars, all sweeteners out. So no artificial sweeteners, sweeteners, no sweeteners. sugar, no, no sugar substitutes. I took out all flour. Um, and for me, I had to take out all dairy. Uh, cheese okay. was a big one uh, yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, so all dairy went out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I attended a shift in May of 2019. It was the first shift uh, intensive that uh, Amanda was there as an owner of the company from Felwardell and Mary Fushi. Um, so, um, met her. And then I did the intensive kind of as a, as a student, but I was in their leadership program for a short while. And, um, so I attended and I saw what happened there and this was in person before COVID and it is intensive. It is intense, all the check-ins and things. And Amanda wasn't sure you could do it by zoom, uh, when COVID hit and she sees that it is possible and it's, po- it's just as powerful. Yeah, it was very powerful for me. And, uh, and I think even more so from the sense of I was so anxious about having to go somewhere and get there and how am I going to get there and how am I going to get home and how, you know, just the logistics and then people, oh my gosh, I have to be around people who are going to see my size and see, you know, um, who I am. And, uh, and the virtual gave me a little bit of comfort in my own home, but it, it, still went to the depth, right? I still had to be on screen. I had to show my face. I had to be present. Um, and uh, it was very powerful. And I think for me too, the aftercare process has been what's been life-changing as well. Yeah. Like if I had just on the intensive and stopped, I, I don't think I'd be where I am today. Yeah. But we I need support on. after this big I, change. We can't just, it's not, it can't be like a diet. Like, okay, you do this, mm-hmm. here's your food plan, go off and, and good luck to you. you we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the aftercare, but talk about what happened there for you um, at, at the intensive in terms of what you realized, what, what you discovered about yourself. Yeah, I discovered the components of the disease, right? That if I ingest the food, my my brain, my body is going to make me want more of it, um, the addictive piece of it. Um, I also learned about the the mental twist, um, if you will, right? That is my thinking, right? How I think around food, the craving for food, not the physical craving, but the emotional craving for food. Um, And I learned that if I took all of that out, that I could feel my feelings and I could actually sit and tolerate them. Yes. And at the beginning, that was little bits of it. Um, you know, I could tolerate it for a few seconds even, you know, and then it became minutes and, and, uh, 
And, and I learned what to do with those feelings. I learned how to sit with them and how to not have to numb them out or try to cover them up or escape them. And, uh, and that, and so then I could see myself and I could see myself more clearly who I was and where I was and right. what I was doing to myself and to others around me. Right. Right. Cause it's not, it's not just our disease. It, uh, we, we, you know, it affects others, it affects your family and your, and it affects our children and they worry about us a lot. But yeah, once we, once we put the food down and uh, become abstinent from our volume eating and trigger foods and so forth, we have to start dealing with the emotions that are coming up that we used to use food to deal with. And so, you know, for, for those of us who don't like to feel our feelings, who were taught, don't feel your feelings. I mean, we don't care about your feelings, you know, and you, and you learn to stuff it down as a child suddenly they're coming out. And, and when they do come out, I don't know if you, you feel this way too, at the time, it feels like they're all encompassing and they'll, they're going to last forever, right? Mm-hmm. And they're powerful emotions, uh, but, yeah. but they don't. They go away. It's like, a, it's like a wave. Waves come and they go, right? Was that your experience? Yeah, it is. One of my fellows always says, you know, this too shall pass, whether it's it a pleasant emotion or an unpleasant emotion, this too right. shall pass. This and too I, shall I pass. That. Like, and yeah. it does. It, it does. does. I wasn't and, used to crying. I'm not a crier, uh, but I actually have cried in this program, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. and people have stayed with me in it. They don't try to say, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to, you know, they let me talk to them and continue to sob, you know, over yes. things. Yes. And I needed yeah, to do it. That I could cry. Yeah. yeah. Learning that I could cry was, that was something that was, that happened like the last day of the intensive, I broke down in tears. Um, and, uh, you know, in the, in my childhood, I was, I was hit if I cried, you know, and I was told I'll give you something to cry about or yeah. I'll, you know, so I just, I, ne- I never cried. That was yeah. just not an option for me. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, the last day, uh, Phil Wardell got me had made, I didn't remember what he said, but he said something. (laughs) Don't make me cry. No surprise there, right? No. Uh, My uh, intensive was with Phil Wardell and uh, Mary Fushi. And um, it was, that was something. Yeah. They're a powerful couple. And when I was there, he gave me a book uh, that he thought it would be helpful to me about workaholism. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) I haven't found time to read it because I, I work so hard. So <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. Phil, Phil got my number. He's, he's pretty intuitive. And so is Mary, just a very powerful couple. And Amanda's wonderful too. And so uh, talk about the surrender aspect of this disease. We, we learn that we can't control anymore, um, that, that we have to give up. And for people that aren't used to giving up, or surrender sounds like giving up. It's not really giving up. It's giving in to, to what is going on, would you say? Yeah, for me, surrender is about getting out of myself and allowing God to intervene um, through people, right? Through God, direct or direct relationship with God, but through the people that I surrender to. You know, at that, at that first consult with Amanda, if she had told me to stand on my head at 335 pounds, I would have tried, probably broken my neck, but I would have tried because I was willing to do anything anybody else told me to do that worked. And I saw that it worked for her. And so I was willing to do it. Yeah. And so all the way through for the last two and a half years, yeah, I've been given suggestions and told 
things to do and try. And sometimes I grumble at them. Sometimes I internally don't like them, but I do them anyway. And it's in doing them, I have found tremendous freedom. Wow. Yeah. Just tremendous freedom. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think for what we do and what I understand you do in recovery, there is work. There is an action plan. There are things we have to do every day to stay recovered. And uh, it's, a, it's a lot. Uh, but you got to the same point I did, which is like, I don't have a, a, another door to get out of this. This is it. I'm going to kill myself with food or I'm going to, and, and, or I'm going to have a life and I'm going to do something about this. And part of it is surrender. But then you, you surrender, you say, okay, I got this. I'm going to deal with this. And then you get to work. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And, and yet it's, it's an enjoyable work. It's, it's challenging work. Yes. Um, it's not always easy to see myself and to see, um, the things that I do (laughs) or don't do. Um, but it's also given me such a sense of freedom and, and joy in my life that, that it's worth it to me. I, Mm -hmm. I, I would do this work. I do do this work every day, day, hours of it a day. Yeah. Um, in order to have the freedom for, for the whole day. Yeah. Me too. And talking to people that are also struggling with this is is key. I've developed some deep, deep friendships from this. And they tell me what I need to hear. I've heard it said that you cannot know yourself by yourself. You need to hear this stuff. And you need to be able to have them put the mirror in front of you and say, Susan, this is this is what I see going on. And I need to hear it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Someone just called me on something last night even. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm doing it again, you know? (laughs) And I was so grateful she did. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, please. I need friends who are are rigorously honest with me so that I can be rigorously honest with myself. Otherwise, I'm in the food. Like, there's no other way. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the hope and what it's like now and the freedom, which I can share that experience too. Uh, There's a quote in your writing, my New Year's resolution this year, 2023, is to continue to share my experience, strength, and hope in any way I can. I want for others the same hope and recovery that I received. Uh, And you released, you've released uh, 150 pounds and um, food is no longer a pull for you. You look different and you're in recovery. So talk about, talk about where you are right now. Yeah, right now I'm living happy, joyous, and free. And I can honestly say that, you know, it just, I'm in a place where life happens and yet I'm still happy about it. I'm still joyful about it. I'm still free in it, right? Um, I can't prevent life from happening, but I certainly can be different in life Mm -hmm. and I can approach it in a way that is not, I don't isolate. I don't sit by myself anymore in the corner reading a book. You know, I reach out to my fellows. I reach out to my family, um, and uh, in a place where every, everything that happens, I I believe is from God and from my higher power, who puts it in my life as a learning opportunity, as an opportunity for growth, as an opportunity for just comfort and guidance. It, it's um, it's been incredible um, to be where I'm at today. I never, never in a million years thought I could be here. Yeah. So you feel your emotions today when you have an emotion, whether it's sadness, um, anger, um, uh, whatever it is, how do you, how do you deal with it today where, where it would have been different before? 
Yeah, today I allow myself to feel it. I feel into my body. What does it actually physically feel like? What is it? What is the emotion that goes on there? And then what do I do with it? I take it to my higher power. I take it to I call God. Um, and I ask God's guidance. What, you know, where do I go here? What's my next step? What's the next thing to do? And, uh, and I often take it to others. I'll take it to my fellows in recovery and share it. Um, I'll take it to my addictions coach and share it. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those things uh, we work on in, in the coaching. I still do aftercare work with Shift. So I have a process group that I do every week for a couple hours. And I have um, individual um, coaching, um, addiction coaching with Shift as well. Um, and, uh, and I have my own therapy that I do that mm-hmm. is very consistent with the type of work that I do with shift, um, very emotionally focused type work. And, um, so I bring it there and, and we, we release the, the ties to the past in those emotions yeah. so that I can actually live present in the yes. moment. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, talk about the aftercare with Shift. It sounds like you you have ongoing uh, process groups. You have a coach. You have you have, talk about the aftercare there that that's been important to your recovery. Yeah, that's been instrumental in my recovery. I couldn't do this by myself. There's just no way. Right. And I need support, and I need a lot of support just because of how addicted I am. I mean, I'm a low bottom food addict, yeah. um, truly, and. Uh, and that requires support. And so, um, and that's been the difference for me, having, having people walk alongside me in life now um, and continuing to do so. So I've been in process group for two and a half years, um, con- continuously since the uh, intensive and, uh, and the individual um, coaching as well since the intensive, since before the intensive even. And, um, and then I make, you know, I do the other things too. I do my outreach calls. I have three outreach calls a day at minimum talking to other fellows. Um, I read um, in the, the I read uh, 12-step literature. Um, I sponsor sponsees, which keeps me in the literature and working the steps as well. Um, so it's, it's a lot of time and yet I wouldn't do it any other way. It's so worth it to me. Yeah. So Same here. It. I do everything that you do with the calls and the writing and the reading and I know you're spiritual. You have a prayer and meditation practice. I do that. And uh, talk about how your relationships have changed in recovery with your family, your husband. You have a daughter. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Th- that has changed. I did one of my 10th step. Um, I had to make amends to my husband. And uh, it, I wrote him a letter and uh, identified my food as my affair partner, that I was cheating on him with food, which was, uh, which was true. Food became more important than him. And uh, that was a really powerful moment for us Um, and his ability to say, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, And thank you for acknowledging it. Um, That that was a really powerful moment for us in our, in our marriage. Um, And he has been so supportive from that point forward. Um, Just really supportive in, in whatever I need um, to stay abstinent, to stay in recovery. Um, And, uh, so that has been changed. My daughter, um, sh- yes, um, my daughter made a comment um, um, maybe a year and a half ago or so about the fact that I actually can listen to her now. You know, she says, Mom, when you listen, you actually hear me, you know? Yeah. 
And uh, I said, wow, thank you. She says, I, I've noticed a difference. Like you're yeah. just a different person. And, um, and I'm not trying to, you know, convince her to go eat with me in various places that she doesn't like to eat. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but, you know, she came out a normal eater and has remained one. And uh, <laughs> I would try to convince her to come with me to go get, you know, frozen yogurt or McDonald's or Taco Bell or whatever it was. And she'd be like, I don't like that food, mom. You know, I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, now, you know, I make healthy food and she's like, oh, can I come over for dinner? You know? Yeah. Um, so uh, that's it's wonderful. Been a um, how old is your daughter? Uh, she's 22. 22. And do you, is that your only child? It is, yes. Okay. Well, I saw you in your Mother of the Bride dress, uh, June of this year, and uh, yeah. you looked beautiful. And uh, it was it was um, a size that was much different than it would have been two years ago. So, yeah, I and mean, you just, you're beaming in this photo. Mm -hmm. Really special. Yeah, exactly. That was a special day for us. And, uh, yeah, she, she just, she was so excited. She went with me to find the dress. She was like, mom, I want to go with you to find your dress. And we went to try on clothes and, um, we found, she was the one who found that the one dress I was wearing. It was a Navy blue, um, a long evening gown. And, uh, I, I put it on and it was like, wow. I, you know, and, and it was a size I didn't think I could wear. I'm like, I don't think I can fit in that size. She was, well, just, let's just try it. You know? Yeah. Um, and I did and it fit beautifully. And I was like, yeah. wow, that just, and I felt good all day felt long. felt proud. You know? Yeah. Rather than like, proud. oh gosh, do I, I look fat in this? Yeah. 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 I wasn't worried about what people were thinking of me at the reception and the wedding. I wasn't worried about, you know, whether I'd fit in the, in the pew at church or the yeah. chair at the reception center or, you know, it was just something. And she, um, yeah, she, she commented about it, you know, that day. She was like, wow, you know, mom, you really are a different person and I really love who you are. Um, yeah. So. Very special, very emotional. I get chills and I can tell I, I'm feeling the emotion. I can see the emotion in your face, you know. Um, let me give you a couple more quotes here as we wrap up. We've got a couple of questions. Um, you say in here, we talk about the freedom, uh, just the freedom from the mind chatter around the food and our weight. And you say, my soul has been revived and I've been transformed into a, a woman that is larger than life with superpowers of happiness, joyfulness, and freedom. The best parts of my transformation are more than meets the eye. That's, uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just full of chills. I just, uh, I experienced the same thing. So talk about that. Yeah, it, it's amazing. I, you know, I ran into, well, not ran into, but we invited a, a, one of our friends uh, that had moved away um, about three years ago. So she saw me at my top weight and came back for the, for the wedding and uh, walked out, uh, walked right by me. Didn't, didn't even didn't notice who I was. Yeah, didn't I've recognize me. Yeah. And uh, so that, you know, I called her name and she comes back. She's like, Lisa. <laughs> But yeah, she's like, wow, wow, wow. Yeah. And uh, so the physical transformation is there for sure. Um, but the the internal transformation, I think, is the part that I'm most happy about, right? The things that people can't see on the outside. Um, I felt happy that day. I felt excited. I was completely focused on my daughter, not focused on what was going to be served afterwards or where I could stop for fast food on the way between the church and the reception or, you know, um, I was just totally focused on her and her husband and, um, and it was a lovely day. And, and I think 
The transformations in my relationships has been powerful. The transformation in my relationship with God has been really powerful as mm-hmm. well. You know, I was raised in a faith and uh, always knew God existed and had God in my life, um, but not in a personal way, not in a deep way, not where I could really just go and have a conversation with God. And uh, today I can. I do um, uh, what we call two-way prayer. Yeah, um, I do that. So I, I ask God a question and then I journal um, God's response. And I do that every morning and um, as part of my prayer and meditation. And uh, that that is just so beautiful to me to have a relationship with God where I can ask a question and get an answer. That's, that's God's answer. That's not my own, you know, here's what I want, God, um, because that's the way it was before. Just give me what I want, you know. Right. The candy yeah, pray for him rather than, rather than yeah. you know, uh, it's his will. And, and I, I share that. Right. And it's funny yeah. what God comes back with, you know, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, really, God? And I'm yeah. writing it. It's my higher instinct. It's a higher power. It's God, you know, whatever your beliefs are. But yeah, I know in yeah. meditation when I'm there and I'm quiet and I'm, I'm I am not alone. I know that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, not alone. I'm never alone. I have God with me all the time. Yeah. And I and I rely on that. I mean, t- days at times at work. Or I have to make a decision. All right, God, come in and help. Give me some wisdom here because, yeah, you know, I don't always know what to do and what decisions to make and how to mm-hmm. make them. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I never feel alone. Yeah, I I don't I don't either, and it's powerful to me. And I need to I need the quiet time. Um, well, mm-hmm. as we, this has really been great, Lisa. It's been great getting to know you. I relate to a lot of what you what you've been through. Um, you have 150 pounds released. I've got 70, and it's a new life, and I would not trade it. I would, I would. You're talking about standing on your head. I would do whatever to stay in recovery in this program and live this life. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as we wrap up, um, last question: uh, Is there someone? If there's someone out there listening to this episode who weighs 100 pounds more than he or she should, or 150 pounds more than their ideal healthy weight, what would what would you say to him or her? Oh, that there's hope. There's always hope. Yes, please come into fellowship. Yes. <laughs> um, and and I would say for me, the food addiction treatment is is absolutely necessary. Mm. Um, and for those who are low bottom food addicts, the way I am, and may not even know it, you know, I didn't know it when I came in um, yeah. to shift. Uh, all I knew was that I couldn't stop eating, and I weighed a significantly <laughs> high amount. I'm mean, over 335 mm-hmm. pounds. You know, right. my top right. weight, and uh, and I had no hope. And what I would say today is there is hope. If I can do this, you can do this. Yes. Yeah. I believe it. And I've done it. And you saw it in Amanda, you know. Mm-hmm. So shift recovery by Acorn. The website is foodaddiction.com. So Lisa, thanks for joining me today. Your story and journey is really inspiring. And I think the listeners are going to love this. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a delight. This is the Food Addiction Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and learned more about this disease. We hope you will rate and write a review on this podcast and share it with others. If you or someone you know is suffering from the disease of food addiction, there is a solution. The various food addiction recovery programs are available and listed on the website, theinfactschool.com 
or if you would like to know more about how to get certified in treating food addiction, the school is accepting applications now for its next training beginning in September 2023. Go to theinfactschool.com. That's I-N-F-A-C-T school.com to learn more.